Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. My name is Michael Bath. Uh, this is Porsche Cooled Owner Stories. If you've been haven't been here before, welcome. If you've been here before, you know what this episode is all about. This episode is is me talking to Porsche owners around the world, talking to them about their ownership story, about what got them into Porsche. Um, as I always say, you know, every Porsche tells a different story and each owner has a story to tell. I don't always say that every episode, but that was the whole concept behind the um, owner story series in uh, Porsche Cooled. Um, and that's what that's what owner stories is all about. So today we have um, we have a good one. I think we have another good one. Um, we have uh, Elliot joining me shortly. Uh, he's probably going to be online any second because I'm running a little bit late. But we have Elliot joining me. Uh, Elliot's from the US. Uh, he's from Seattle, I think. I believe he's from Seattle. Uh, I think he's got a great story. Uh, he's got a, a newer 911, and I'm really interested to know more about it, and I'm really interested to know uh, how it came about and the cars that he's owned um, you know, before this car or the cars he still owns. Um, I don't know a lot about Elliot's story. We've, we've spoken briefly on um, Instagram. I have a little bit of a background, but not as much as I usually do, so I think it's going to be a good one. All right, let me connect to Zoom. As you know, these are always done through Zoom. Uh, I'm going to connect through Zoom, and I'm going to get Elliot, and we're going to start talking uh, all things Porsche. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, Owner Stories number 22. Uh, and today we have uh, Elliot joining us, and Elliot is coming in from Seattle. Hi, Elliot. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Michael. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Elliot is uh, starting this podcast, doing this podcast very early this morning. It's only like, is it 7 a.m.? 7 a.m. Yeah. 7 a.m. in Seattle, uh, and it's about, you know, 6 o'clock here in Bahrain. Um, so, Elliot and I, Elliot reached out to me on Instagram through DM, which a lot of you guys do. And I think he has a good story. Uh, he's had, you know, uh, he's had a few Porsches, haven't you, Elliot? You've had a couple of Porsches, uh, not, not both 911s. But we'll get into that when we start getting uh, into, into Elliot's story. But as you know, Elliot, I always like to start this podcast. I always like to start it with the first question. Um, do you, you know, and, and it goes back to the first memories of seeing a, a Porsche or a 911. Um, and, you know, I know I have, a, I have a fond memory where I remember seeing one uh, down in the ski resort in Australia and it was a Carrera and it had, a tur- and it had the whale tail. I always remember that car and it was red. Uh, oh, not yeah. my favorite, not my favorite color, but it was red. Uh, but I think it was in the snow and it looked just perfect in that, in that situation. So what are your first memories? Did a family member have a 911 or a Porsche? Um, did you have posters on the wall? Did you buy the magazines? When did it all start? So um, that's a, a great question. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. This is, um, I think this will be one of those owner stories that I, I've really sort of identified with, which is, um, you know, kind of the, the new-ish Porsche owner and, you know, how did, how did I end up landing here? Um, so I, I remember when I was a kid, I had a great big collection of Hot Wheels, you know, the little diecast cars, yeah. and um, I had a, a whole big box of them. And, and for the most part, um, you know, I grew up in this small town in Pennsylvania. It was really one of those parts of the country that was the American muscle car part of the country. I remember a guy down the block that had a like a late '60s Dodge Dart that was like that was the envy of the neighborhood you know, really fast in a straight line and good luck keeping it on the road. Um, but these, these die-cast cars were my first real intro to anything other than these big American muscle cars. I mean, my, my family drew, drove a great big Buick LeSabre when I was a, a kid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just a, a family full of American boats. Um, but as I started to, to have people give me these die-cast cars as gifts when I was a little kid, you know, you'd play with them in the dirt or, or whatever. Um, but then there was this kind of a seminal moment when I was about, I guess I was about eight or nine years old. Uh, my, my family was shopping for a new car. Uh, my dad had gotten a new job, um, felt like it was going to be a, a real opportunity to, to kind of get away from the, the hand-me-down Buick LeSabre and that sort of thing. So he had bought a copy of this American magazine called um, Consumer Reports. Okay. Uh, it's a, um, and I'm sure it exists all over the world. Yeah. Um, but it was the the automotive issue. So I was this 
I was kind of a nerdy little kid. You know, I've ended up being a doctor. I'm a nerdy, I'm a nerdy adult as well. <laughs> um, so I also collected baseball cards and I used to have these baseball card catalogs and I'd look at the prices and see how things were appreciating in value. And one day it sort of struck me that I could look at the consumer reports guide and look up all of those little die cast cars that I had. Oh, right. And, you know, I started looking through all of them and I was like, wow, this is really fascinating because some of the cars that I really liked, you know, it turned out were, uh, you know, not terribly expensive. You know, there was the, the Mustang that I was very surprised was you know, only the price that it was. Um, but there was one car that really um, it very much surprised me just for its value. And it was really one of my favorite cars. It was a little Porsche 911 silver um, die cast Hot Wheels car with um, uh, with a uh, it had a um, it had a ducktail on it. So you know it sort of gave me an idea of what year this must have been. So, um, but it was uh, I, I remember that sticking in my mind as one of the really cool cars that I you know I just thought was really great. Um, I remember looking up Ferraris and Rolls's and trying to compare all of the prices as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was that was really my first, the first time that I noticed the car. Yeah, and, I, I, I have to admit, I remember doing that as well. I remember there was car magazines in Australia, and at the back they had the price lists of all the cars, and you'd go through and you'd see the prices, and you'd see, you know, this is when you're a kid, and it still seems like a lot of money, but you think, oh, which one could I possibly get? You know, which one can I save up for? Basically, um, I want to go back to the baseball the baseball cards. I hope you still have all that those collection of baseball cards. I do actually have a lot of them. I Fantastic. have a great big box of them. Fantastic. Um, I, my dad apparently used to have a giant box of baseball cards, and unfortunately, my grandmother threw it away. You know, that's that's okay. So from the from the Hot Wheels cars, um, this is going. This is when you're a kid. How long does it take? How long does it take then before you start thinking seriously about? Well, let's go. Th- let's go through your car journey. Actually, so your car journey starts. What is the first memorable car that you that you purchase that you think okay this is this is on the way I'm on the way I'm on my on my car journey. So um, I have a, a tragic car journey, and I won't I won't bore you with all of the details. But the um, uh, I remember each and every car that I had, and almost all of them were totaled in accidents of some sort. Oh, okay. Um, and unfortunate, well, fortunately, I was not at fault in any of those accidents, which is. Um, uh, I guess fortunate, but also, you know, terrible that you're stuck in that many car accidents. So my very first car was a 1986 Mazda 626 sedan. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was a, a kind of hand-me-down from my parents. Um, and then subsequently, I, I uh, also had a, um, a really bad Volkswagen box that was like a refrigerator box on wheels. You know, I, I grew up in this lower middle class family in small town Pennsylvania. Yeah, so they're so, everyday cars, cars that yeah. are reasonably reliable, um, not a sports car. So let's right. let's move along then. Let's move along before we get into the Porsche. Um, and people will know yeah. what you have because it's in the title of this of this podcast. But you know, sure. you bought the, the latest generation of the Porsche, which I'm really interested in. But let's go to the car, which is you know, which is getting there in that sort of you know performance sports car area. So let's talk about the the Mustang. Well, so after a, a long string of cars that I had um, through college and medical school that were just terrible, actually the first car that was interesting was a, a Volkswagen GTI. Oh, okay. Um, I, I got one as a, uh, I was a medical student at the time and um, I, I leased it and it was just absolutely fantastic. It was the first time that I was, that I'd ever been exposed to a hot hatch. Um, a buddy of mine had one, he'd let me borrow it and I was, I was just hooked. Uh, yeah, totally it's a great hooked. car. It's a great car. Oh, it's fantastic. What model was um, that? What year What year was the GTI? Uh, let's see. That would have been around 2002, 2003, okay. somewhere in that neighborhood. That's a nice generation. That's a nice generation oh, of GTI. Yeah. Just a great car. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, I was living in New Orleans at the time. Um, so, you know, a lot, of, a lot of really great memories from that car. Uh, most of them a little bit fuzzy, as most memories from New Orleans are. <laughs> But that gives um, you the taste, doesn't it? That gave you the taste for the power. Yeah. Gave you taste for the, you know, the hot hatch. You know, it's it's not a sports car, but it 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 does actually fill that need that you that you know that we all require that sort of sports car kind of feel, I guess. Um, so you owned that car for a few years. I did. Uh, I owned that car for about two years, and then 
uh, that was one of the many cars that was told somebody crashed into me from behind and smashed my uh we, we ended up in like a multi-car accordion accident <laughs> so that car was totaled and i ended up um uh i ended up taking that insurance money and uh, buying a subaru uh it was a uh, subaru legacy it was the pre-wrx though um so the one with like the it had like the big tail on it and everything yeah um but you know, also a, a really fun little car. You know, it was uh, four-wheel drive, sticky as all heck, and you know, was was really a, a pleasant drive. Fantastic. So then, when did the um, when did the Mustang come into the picture? Is that a very recent? Was that a recent purchase? Yeah. So the the Mustang was actually my dad's car. Oh, okay. Um, so you know, as as I mentioned, the the um, the family was really like you know American muscle car kind of family. And um, so I'll fast forward a little bit more for you. Um, after the, the Subaru, um, we ended up in a BMW 3 Series. Um, that was when I was in residency. Um, and I'll be happy to talk about that as well. But the, um, the Mustang and the GTO were both cars of my father's that when he was diagnosed with esophageal cancer, he decided he was going to go and get the cars that he had really wanted to drive when he was a kid because oh, okay. he sort of felt like he had a, a, a truncated amount of time and, you know, really wanted to explore the cars that he really loved. So um, when he, uh, when he passed away uh, or as, you know, as we were talking through, um, through the will and all of that stuff, he actually tried really hard to talk me out of, taking the the Mustang off of his hands. And uh, he said, you know, listen, it's a burden. You got to drive it all the time. The seals will start leaking. It's, it's really, it's a car that needs to be driven. And um, so despite that, I, I took the Mustang on. I kept it for about three years. And then um, eventually I just thought, you know, this car actually, it, it was a car that he had only owned for a brief period of time. It wasn't really something that he was in love with. And um, it was also incredibly difficult to drive, especially in a place like Seattle. Because it was, um, it had a 351 Cleveland engine that had been, um, it was uh, stroked out and and just made a ton of horsepower. Um, So for your father, for your father, it was one of those cars that he wanted and then he got it. And then it was like, I don't really like it as much as I thought I would. Yeah. So interestingly, at the same time, he had an Audi A4 that he just loved. Okay. So he would leave the Mustang in the garage and drive the Audi all around in, uh, in Florida where he lived at the time. Audi A4s are good cars. They're just expensive to yeah. upkeep. So the, yeah. so the Mustang, you get the Mustang. It's a 70, what year is that Mustang? It's a 1970 Mustang Mach 1. 1970 Mach 1. Um, previous owner's story, uh, Todd, Stone City Outlaw, he used to own a I think the same year, 70 or 71 Mark 1. Sorry, Todd, if I've got that wrong. But Todd owned one and he went to his 356. Um, that's why I'm interested to see about the difference in the driving with you as well, Elliot, with the, uh, with the new 911. So you have the Mustang. Um, you know, you, you, you want to keep it because it was your dad's car. I mean, I understand that. You have it for a few years and you think this is just too much of a handful. Um, in the meantime, did you buy any other cars? Did you have any everyday cars that you purchased? I did. So um, he actually had uh, several cars that um, that he had willed to me. There was also a, a Corvette C6 um, that he had willed to me that was oh, okay. another car that he just wasn't um, he, another one of those short-lived, you know, he really wanted to drive it at some point and uh, um, it wasn't really something that he turned out to be in love with. So therefore I didn't really keep it either. Um, so how many so cars, I, sorry, sorry. How many cars did you, did your father will to you? How many cars was it? The, the actually Mark inherited one? Just those, those two cars. Okay. Yeah. The one that I really wanted was a 68 GTO, but he had jumped it over some railroad tracks and split the frame. So oh, really? <laughs> tells you a little bit about the kind of guy he, he was. He made sure he got rid of that one pretty quickly. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, uh, I actually originally sold the Corvette. And uh, purchased a uh, I purchased the Panamera then. Okay. So I bought a 2017 Panamera 4S. Okay. How was, was it? I'm a, I'm a fan of the Panamera. I actually like them. When we first moved to Bahrain here, I almost bought an old one, a 2015 model in carmine red. Um, so almost. The, 
the new one, this this new body style, the the current body style is, I think, beautiful. It's it's a spectacular car. Yeah, I agree. And at the at the time that we bought it, you know, I've got two young kids. I got to be able to get them into the back seat. It was important to have a four door. I was just coming out of a BMW 3 Series that I had literally dro- driven the windows off, or the the uh, mirrors off of. Yes. Um, so, you know, I I had learned to appreciate the the tightness of the the German suspension, German fit and finish. Um, so I went from that BMW 3 Series to uh, I was originally looking at you know, maybe another BMW, maybe get a five series, you know, considering an M5, I drove that, I looked at Mercedes, but then I realized that I'm under 80. So it's probably not the right car for me. Um, you know, particularly in bigger sedans now. Yeah, yeah. And I know you're driving a Mercedes in Bahrain. I don't mean <laughs> to give you a hard time. <laughs> it's an old one. <laughs> That's right. But well, those are better. Um, so, you know, I had explored a couple of different, um, a couple of different brands and uh, a buddy of mine who I, I work with here, a guy named Michel, who um, is one of my best friends, um, said, you know, the, the car that you should look at is the, is the Panamera. And I didn't know at the time because I, I wasn't a, a Porsche junkie. Um, I, I didn't realize that the body had been updated in 2017. So uh, when I went and, and looked at it, because... The, the thought in my mind was always the, the old Panamera, which I honestly was not a big fan of. I thought the body style was, um, it was sub Porsche quality from, uh, from what I had been used to looking at 911s. Yeah. The first generation. Yeah. The, yeah. First generation. Yeah, the very first early models. models yeah. yeah. Um, so I went and looked at, uh, at this newer style of uh, Panamera and, just kind of went on a lark and ended up calling my wife and saying, uh, I think I found my car. Um, but I, I test driven a number of them. I, I test drove the, uh, the four, the four S and the turbo. And I sort of did them in that sequence. And when I, when I drove the four, it felt familiar, you know, it felt like a, a big all wheel drive sedan. It, it was, I would say the, the ride was, a little bit tighter than what I had been used to in, you know, like, let's say the a BMW five series, for yep, example. Yep. Um, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't as, as tight. The suspension wasn't as solid as what I was used to um, okay. in a, a sportier version of the BMW. And then when I drove the 4S, I was like, oh, okay, this is, I like this. This is nice. This feels like the right combination of, sports car and sedan it's it's a very flexible car you can you know i can put it in comfort mode and the kids are going to be totally fine or i can put it in sport mode and have a really great time on my way to work yeah it's a great car and there's plenty of room inside it's a very general it's a very lovely car to sit in the panamera the, the fit and finish on that car is incredible yeah. I mean, and i was going to say did you notice that difference going from your bmw 535 to the panamera and the difference in quality because there is a big step oh, up isn't there um, huge yeah, huge step. Just the the way everything fits together, um, the quality of the materials. I mean, it's it's a, a really impressively built sedan. It's really nice. So you purchase um, so, you purchase sorry you purchase that new, the Panamera. Uh, it, it had uh, I want to say three thousand miles on it or something like that. It was a, a dealer car. Okay, so it's from a dealer. So, you know, the usual question, you didn't really have to do many checks on it. It had a warranty from the dealer. It had, you know, uh, had been pre-serviced, et cetera. So um, they, they offered it as a, a um, certified pre-owned. So they had already done the PPI on it. it, it all of that stuff was finished. Um, and, you know, I think this is, I, I know you ask this question all the time. And now in retrospect, I wish I would have had somebody independent come and inspect it. Um, because I had a, a ton of little niggly problems with it over uh, the three years that I owned it. Okay, but if it's – I was going to ask you about reliability, actually. But the, the Porsche certified, they will – you know, that's, that's a pretty thorough check, isn't it, a Porsche certified car? You would <laughs> think that you wouldn't have many issues with the car, unless there's a problem with the generation of the car and it's not specific to that, that individual car. So yeah. – 
the Panamera, um, I think, you know, the first generation had, had a lot of issues too, didn't it? Had a lot of issues. I know the air suspension is always an issue on, on these cars, but on the, on the um, GTS and stuff. But yeah. how was it reliability-wise? Just briefly, was it, were there a lot of – you're saying you had issues with it before we started recording. Was there a, were they serious issues? Well, it was, I would say it was largely okay. Um, there were a few problems that were pretty well known that continued to crop up. Um, there was a, a problem with the oxygen sensors, for example, that um, as I was, um, it, it, would, it would start to sputter and then it would go into limp mode. And once it goes into limp mode, you know, there's really not much you can do except get it off the road and call a tow truck. Um, so that turned out to be a known problem though. When I, when I took it to the dealer, they said, Oh yeah, you know, we've, we've known about this. It's, it's really cropped up in the last, Oh, six to nine months or so. We probably should have taken care of it. Um, the last time you were here, but you hadn't reported any problems. So we, we didn't really dig into it a whole lot. Um, the Panamera, uh, when I took it in to get, um, to get the oxygen sensors, um, repaired or replaced, um, I was really disappointed that the uh, the dealership that I was working with, and I, I took it to a Porsche dealer near Seattle, that uh, was not um, th- that they didn't proactively try to replace those, um, but eventually they got replaced, and you know it was okay. The other issue that I had with it was um, there was an electrical fault from the the um, fuel tank to the computer system, so it was constantly reading. Um, uh, that there were 100 or 150 miles left in the gas tank. Okay. And unfortunately, um, it would just, it would run out of gas because I had no idea how much was actually in there. So the, the gauge would say a quarter full. Um, the electronic readout would say that there was 100 miles left. So it was like, they were, they're little things, right? But they're, yes. uh, they're things that are, they leave you stranded on the side of the road. And on the gas tank problem with the uh, the um, electronic miscommunication left me on the side of the road as I'm you know trying to drive back home after having worked at the hospital for the last 16 hours or so. So you know. Yes. Yeah, so you you've been introduced to Porsche ownership. You've been introduced to it with the Panamera, which you love. You love the look of it. You love the design of it. It fits your family's needs. And then you've got all these problems with it. So right. how long before you decide, okay, enough is enough and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get rid of this car? Well, so actually what I did after that was I started trying to learn more about the, the general problems with Porsche. And what I started to realize is that it sounded like this was kind of idiosyncratic to early versions of cars in particular, you know, first generations of, of some of the cars. Um, and each time a new model would come out, you know, it seemed like things were a little bit rocky for a brief period of time. But then Porsche does a really great job of iterative improvement and solving those problems very quickly. So um, then I started to think, okay, well, um, I, I think I'm going to trade this car in. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit, I, I'm feeling unreliable about it. It's more, it, it's not that there's anything wrong with the car. It's that I don't trust it. And I found myself not trusting the car on a daily basis. I would sit down to drive to work and I would wonder to myself, am, am I actually going to get to and from work today? Which is not a great feeling for a car that's, that's almost a new car. You know what I mean? You don't want to have that feeling. You know what I mean? Because that ruins the whole experience, doesn't it? If you're worried about something going wrong. Well, to, to sort of give you an idea, you know, this was a 2017 model. But even when I traded it in a few weeks back, it only had 14,000 miles on it. Okay. So, so it's not like it had a, mm. Yeah. It had been driven just enough. Um, so I decided to start looking for another, uh, for another Porsche because, as you said, I love the style. I love the fit. I love the finish. I think they're beautiful cars. The, the – um, the reliability of the brand and the fact that 80% of them are still on the road is yes. I think a remarkable statistic. Yes. I agree. And you know, those are the sort of things that should make you trust the car. So again, I, I call my buddy Michel and he and I start <laughs> chatting and he's got a, uh, uh, so he has a, uh, 997.1, um, nine And I was talking to him about any of the issues that he had with his car. Tell him and he's got good taste. 
he does have good taste. I know. <laughs> um, so he and I uh, chatted a little bit more, and he told me that he's hardly had anything go wrong with his car at all. He's really spent very little in upkeep and very little in repairs. It's been incredibly reliable. And then I started reaching out to other friends of mine that are Porsche owners as well. Um, I've got a friend, Jonathan, who has a fairly large collection of air-cooled Porsches and started talking with him about his ownership experience. Um, I've got uh, another friend named Lewis, who's, um, uh, who's 993 is on my Instagram page as well, that Mexico Blue 993. Yeah, that's on very, there. very nice. I saw that. Very oh, nice. Beautiful. Um, so, you know, I talked to him a little bit about his ownership experience. And, you know, I, I think what I learned was that my uh, my Panamera experience may have been a bit of a one-off. So it then got me thinking, well, Porsche has been making a 911 for an awful long time. And it's been iterative improvement over, you know, 60 years now. So that became the thing that I, I wanted to really focus on was this reliability and okay. trust in the car. So the question I want to ask you is because, you know, you're starting to look for a 911. You, you prefer to look for the 992 generation. You want to have, you want to pick up a new one. You don't want a 991.2 or 991.1. You'd rather get the new generation due to the styling, I'm guessing, due to, due to the look of it. Oh, I mean, I think there are a number of things that, that played into it. I actually cast a very wide net from the beginning. Um, I knew that I was going to have to sell the Mustang to get whatever. So I, I took it to a consignment shop. There's a, a place here near Seattle that's quite excellent. Um, and I, I sold it through them. And they actually had uh, two 964s that were uh, that were on the floor. Okay. Uh, one was an 88 and one was uh, an 89. Um, okay. both, in, both in Guards Red, which is, you know, it's certainly eye-catching, but uh, but not my favorite. But it was, it was exactly what I was looking for. You know, it was a uh, they were both C2Ss, um, and I, I. So were you tempted? Were you tempted to do a swap of the Mustang? I don't know how much Mustang Mach ones are worth, but were you tempted to do a swap, so to speak, for the for the nine six four? The the nine six fours were um, at least as listed about twice what they were going to um, give me for the the Mustang. Oh, okay, okay, but, that's a lot. But. Despite that, I was still quite tempted because they were both, they were low miles, they were in beautiful condition, they were end of the run, you know, that 87, 88, 89 time slot. That's actually, that's that's the, the car that was the eye catcher when I was 11, 12, 13 years old. Yeah, that's that's the one. That so I, that's I what was dragging you in that memory of the of the of the of the Hot Wheels. So Absolutely. the question I know the listeners are going to be thinking, you know, you've got a Panamera. It's a very big car. It's got a lot of room. It's got rear seats. You know, it's it's a comfortable car and it's enough and it's comfortable for four people. So now, you know, everyone knows what you bought and we're going to get into exactly that in a second right now. But was it a difficult decision because you've got a Panamera and you're going into a 911? Was yeah, so um, yeah. my wife took the balance for me. Okay. Um, my uh, so my my wife is fantastically supportive. She's also in healthcare. She's a, a pediatric neurosurgeon here at the the Children's Hospital in Seattle. So, oh, so you, you work know, together? You work in the same hospital? No, we trained in the same hospital, but we work in different places. Now. Oh, okay. No, there's there's only uh, there's only so much uh, working <laughs> together. I think one one couple could handle, and uh, I, I think she'd kill me if we worked together. Um, but she was actually the one that tipped the balance. Um, as I was talking through all of this stuff with her, um, she was actually the one that said, you know, this is the, a 911 is the car that, that like you still remember as a kid. And, you know, it's one of the dream cars. It's one of the ones that, you know, everybody has as a, as a Hot Wheels car. I've heard you talk about it before. I've heard you drooling over Michaud's and Jonathan's and Lewis's cars. And, you know, they're, they're just spectacular cars. So, you know, we, we already have an SUV, so why don't you just get what you want? Fantastic. And so, yeah, so, so then, then what's the process? You let's, let's get into the car. Um, let's tell the listeners what you actually bought because I know it's a 992 911 because it would be in the title, but tell the listeners what you bought Elliot, um, and what options you you selected now i'm not even sure did you configure this car from new or was it a car that was in stock uh no i was actually very fortunate uh to be able to get a build slot 
um, back in August oh, with, fantastic. Um, with one of the, the dealerships that's um, a few hours north of Seattle. And they were fantastic to work with. Um, so I was able to configure this car in exactly the way that I wanted to configure it. In okay. Exactly the way that I remembered that little Hot Wheels car that I had. So I've never had I've never had a, a nine nine two owner on the podcast. So this is the first. You're the first nine nine two owner. Oh. So I'm sure there's a lot of people interested to know about you know the car because I I think it's a beautiful car. I was never a fan of the rear. I, and the first one I saw in 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 the flesh was actually in Portugal in Porto on a on the old bridge in Porto and I saw it and it was in carmine red. And when you see it in real life, when you're standing and the car is at the right level. The rear mm-hmm. is just fantastic. It just looks yeah. absolutely fantastic. Um, so, so tell the listeners, tell the listeners about your car, um, the color, the spec, what were you, the key options that you, you were looking for? Well, you know, as you take the spec from, from top to bottom, um, you, know, you always start with the color because it's the first option that you select. And man, I'll, I'll tell you what, I perseverated over color on this car. <laughs> Like, uh, like I think every good Porsche owner does. Yes. And I know there are going to be a lot of people who are disappointed in me that I went with GT Silver. But um, the, you know, I tried chalk and I tried to configure it in a way that I really loved it. I tried black and I tried, you know, I went through each and every color. And the the one that spoke to me was was GT Silver, and I just I couldn't get away from it. Yeah, I'm a favorite of the GT Silver. It's a great silver. I mean, I, I have to admit, if I was if I was doing the 992, specking it out, I probably would end up with GT Silver as well. Even though I do like crayon or chalk, even though I do like yeah. some of the brighter colors, I probably would just go GT Silver. Yeah, it was man, it was tough, and I've got some folks at work who are um, who are you know also now Porsche geeks who they are, they give me such a hard time. Oh, I can't believe you went with the silver <laughs> in, uh, in the States. It's chalk elsewhere. It's crayon. Um, almost everybody wants the crayon, but you know, I saw the crayon in person and I actually, I didn't really care for it all that much. I, I thought it, it, especially in the light here in Seattle where the, the sky is often a bit gray, it has a very um, almost like a khaki Brown look to it. Yeah. I, I will add to that. It is a very, it, it can be a very strange color. It works very well in here in Bahrain. It actually works in Bahrain. And I've seen one in a, I think it was a Carrera S, believe it or not. Someone had spec one. Um, yeah, Carrera it was not a Carrera S, Carrera GTS, I think it was. But it works well in, in this environment. But I've seen one in Australia and it didn't look so great. Even though they're both bright, you know, environments it didn't look so great so it's it's you're right it's very it's it's very hard to pick colors when you see them online and you see them in you know not renders but you see pictures of them because you really have to see it where you live because it really does determine how that color you know looks to the eye doesn't it yeah there's i think there's something about the background and you know background the light the the color in the area that you're in it really picks up on that uh, a lot and i think it really affects the way the car looks um, and I mean, I love the blues, I love the blacks, but the GT silver was the, that was the one for me. Okay. So tell us all the options. So, uh, I put the, uh, 2021 Carrera S wheels on it. Um, nice. largely because, um, I do uh, much like you and, uh, and Steve, uh, I do all of my own detailing and I absolutely hate doing wheels. <laughs> I just hate it. Yeah. And the the five spoke wheels are uh, I, first of all I think they look beautiful they remind me of the Fuchs wheels um, without being you know without being quite so throwback you know they, they sort of have that that look um, I considered having them painted to do the you know black on the inside to give it more of a Fuchs look but um, have just stuck with them as as factory for now fantastic um, uh, I did the sports exhaust yes uh, which you know I. I know a lot of people say as a must, I, I will tell you, it makes an enormous difference. Um, my, I can tell you, fortunately, my neighbors are big car fans. Okay. Otherwise, I don't think they'd be quite so happy with me firing the car up at 6 a.m. Let me just tell the listeners why we're, why we're going through the options. I, I forgot to mention it. Sorry. Um, if you go to Elliot's uh, Instagram, it's 992.c2s, 992.c2s. Have a look. His car's on there. It's also got the Panamera being put on the flatbed. 
Um, but but he's got pictures of his beautiful uh, Carrera S. Sorry, Elliot, go along. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I was actually going to put uh, the. It was a bit too harsh, but I was going to say that the uh, the flatbed was the natural environment of the Panamera. But <laughs> it, it wasn't quite. It but, wasn't really that but bad. you know, like even though you had problems with the Panamera, you still bought another Porsche. You know what I mean? Oh, so, I, and I actually, to be, to be perfectly honest, I actually tried to convince my wife to keep the Panamera and get rid of the the SUV that we had because oh, okay. I, I loved it so much. Um, Options. So. Uh, I also did the uh, the leather interior in black with Bordeaux red. Um, that was another, uh, you know, again, you sort of perseverate on what you're going to do for colors on the inside of the car. I spent a lot of time thinking about the the graphite blue, um, the all red, um, and then eventually, when I got to actually see it in person, realized that that Bordeaux color was, um, you know, what we would call maroon here, or like a burgundy yeah. color. And man, it's it is uh, it really sings on the inside of that car. It looks beautiful. I, I think you did a, you you made a good decision not going full red. Um, I have seen full red ones in Bahrain. I think it's a little bit much. I really I do really love this two tone black and black and red that they do that two tone like harking back to you know nine nine threes had it you know earlier versions had it earlier generations, and you know you you cannot deny that the red interior the Bordeaux interior or maroon interior just works so well with the GT Silver. I mean, of all the colors, it just works perfectly with the GT Silver. Yeah, you know, as I was trying to do this configuration, I was looking for inspiration from um, Porsche past. And uh, one of the cars that I looked up was James Dean's Speedster. And, you know, that was the that was silver with the, the red interior. So that, that kind of tipped it over for me. So uh, I, I also, um, as I looked at the, the 992s, one of the things that I noticed was that the, the fit of the piano black plastic wasn't really great. Um, there, okay. It looked like there were some pretty big gaps in various areas. Right. So, um, and, but when I saw it with the um, uh, with the wood inlay or with the leather inlay, it, it seemed to seal a lot of those gaps. Okay. So the the quality of the fit and finish just looked significantly better when um, when you had something anything other than the the factory package so what did you choose what's the inlay that you choose chosen so uh i did it in in the uh in leather oh, okay i'm trying so to see all of the um hmm. the surround for you know where the cup holder is and uh, you know on the doors and uh, on the dash is all uh, just a bit of uh red leather fantastic yeah i'm not a big fan of that piano black finish either i, I agree it's i think it looks a little bit it looks a bit cheap yeah. So that's great. So what what else were the main options apart from that? I mean, the seats are the the usual. How many way seats are they? The ones you have? They're quite oh, well bolstered, the, aren't they? Yeah, I got the eighteen way seats. Um, so I upgraded the seats. I think they make a huge difference. Um, I had actually driven um, prior to purchase. I had driven a, a Carrera T um, with a manual and and the buckets. And you know, as I was thinking about trying to use it as an actual work car, you know, going back and forth as a daily driver. It, it just didn't seem practical. So uh, I did the next best thing, which I think was the 18 way seats, which I can, you know, kind of squeeze the bolsters in and, and do, uh, I can make it feel however I want it to feel. I really like how you haven't uh, opted to have a sunroof either. It doesn't have a sunroof, does it? It's non-sunroof. So, <laughs> no, it doesn't have a sunroof. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you noticed that there were yeah. a number of things that I spent a lot of time thinking long and hard about. And as I was specking the car, when I put the sunroof on it, I just thought, gosh, you know, it looks like it looks like the car has a bad haircut. You know, yeah. it, it looks like it's got male pattern baldness when with the um, and, you know, as, as you can see by by my head, which is quite shiny today. Um, <laughs> I, I know the feeling of male pattern baldness. So um, I actually thought that uh, I wanted to delete the sunroof because I thought it had a more classic look to it for me. And, you know, obviously everybody's got their own opinions. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, like I've said before, I've got a sunroof on my 997 and I never, you know, I never open it. I never actually use it. And sometimes I forget it's even there. Um, but I think the problem, I always find the problem when you're looking for a 991, if you wanted to buy a 991, and this is especially, I don't know if it's so much in the UK or the US, but I know in Australia when they come up, the 991.1 or even the 991.2 Carrera S or GTS, they're always sunroof. They're predominantly the sunroof, the glass sunroof, which I think... 
it spoils the line of it for me. I know a lot of people like the black roof. They like how it's got the, the black roof. But for me, I, I much prefer what you spec'd it as. Very good. So interestingly, I have the opposite opinion on the on the Panamera. I think the Panamera with the sunroof looks absolutely spectacular because it's got that big panoramic roof on it. I think it looks great. Yeah, no, I think Macans, Cayans, Cayans, and, and Panameras, they're fine with that roof. But I think the 911, <clears throat> honestly, I think it's I think a non-sunroof version is is much better. The car looks great. Elliot looks really, really, you know, it looks, you know, obviously it looks very special. Very, very special. Oh, thank you. Well, I think the the biggest um, so the two biggest options that I know um, most folks will be interested in would be that I decided to do it in a manual. Um, Perfect. Man, that that manual gearbox is it feels so good. It's it's so tight. The shifter is it's short. It's it's fun. It has that mechanical click to it that yeah. you know, as you move from gear to gear, it just feels perfect. Yeah, um, I read that. I mean, I mentioned it. I think in the podcast last week or the week before. But you know, the the review in what's it, Road or Track or whatever magazine it was online about how the the manual gearbox in the night in the Carrera S is just fantastic you know this new manual gearbox is great because remember in the 991.1 it was criticized the seven speed was actually criticized mm-hmm. in the early models obviously it got better right. in the point two so you've got the chrono pack as well you've mm-hmm. got the chrono pack the manual still has the uh Manantino sort of dial on the on the steering wheel yeah yeah it does okay so what functions do you get in manual in a 992 so With it's that got button. it's got wet mode, normal, um, sport plus, and um, uh, sorry, wet mode, normal, sport, sport plus, and an individual mode. And I've I've set my individual mode to um, essentially be normal with the sport exhaust on and the uh, the auto stop turned off so that I don't have to restart the engine every time I'm in a red light. Yeah. So that's, that's the one you use when you're driving to work, you put it in the, in your custom mode and on the weekends, yep. what would you use in that, in the modes is the sport plus a great mode, which is one of your favorites. You know, the, the roads here are a little bit rough. Um, so <laughs> sport plus mode is, uh, it makes it feel like you're, you're driving a, a rock wagon. Um, the, uh, sport mode is about as tight as you can make the suspension for the roads around Seattle. Now there, there are, some areas around Seattle where the roads are a little bit nicer, but um, at least for the city proper, it's um, it, it's a little tough to to. It gets quite bouncy if you're in Sport Plus mode. But the modes are obviously the noticeable differences in the, in each mode. You oh, do yeah. really notice the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's in, in fact it's not even a subtle difference. There's, uh, I would say, there's like a fifteen to twenty percent difference mode to mode. Okay. It's quite noticeable. What mm-hmm. other major options did you get, Elliot? Was there anything else? Lights? Are the lights the standard lights or are they the special uh, cornering um, lights? Yeah, I got the premium package, so it came with the PDLS lights. Um, I put a, a sport design front fascia on it, the sport design side skirts, but not the sport rear end. Yeah. Um, I, I thought I think the sport rear end looks a little clunky for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think, uh, let's see. The, uh, you have to, I mean, you have to have a fire extinguisher, right? I mean, everybody needs a good fire <laughs> Did extinguisher. Did you get a fire extinguisher? Absolutely. Really? That's good. Absolutely. <laughs> On the passenger side, it's there. That's right. Yeah, That's fantastic. Right. I mean, it's got a nice stance. I'm looking at your Instagram, the car. I mean, the sport design package at the front is is a must-have, isn't it? It really does. It, it's a much nicer front with a sport design package on the front. It is. And the, the guys at the dealership that I worked with eventually talked me into getting the front-end lift kit which I have to say is, first of all, quite slick. Um, you know, it's GPS programmed. As I approach my block, oh, okay. the car automatically lifts the front end, so I don't even have to do anything. So you have it's that new, cool. that new tech, that new one. What is it called? Is it not InnoDrive? Is it? What do they call it, Porsche? They have some name for it. Is oh, it I don't know. Um, Gosh, I don't. I'm, I'm actually looking at my spec sheet right here, and I don't. I don't have the name of it. So let me ask you a question: When you're driving back home, do you have any speed bumps? Does it remember where speed bumps are? Because I read something about this earlier on, and it said it will actually even after a period of time, it will remember. It will remember exactly if there's a speed bump or whatever, and it will actually just raise up automatically. I'm not sure if that's oh, true. Oh, that's interesting. So I've um, so I've only had the car for two weeks, so I haven't gotten a chance to teach it all the speed bumps <laughs> just yet. But uh, uh, maybe we'll get there. I think that 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 I know that in Australia, I think that's a pretty expensive option in Australia. I mean, obviously you can get it with packages, but I think you know, 
it's a great one to get. It really is yeah. because how often do we scrape the front of our cars? You know what I mean? And it doesn't have to be a GT3 anymore or a GT2 RS because they're all quite low and, you know, it can happen quite easily, especially when we all live in cities. If you live in a city, you really do need to have it. Um, yeah. The controversial uh, rear wiper, I noticed you've got one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I do indeed have a controversial rear wiper. Um, anybody who lives in Seattle, I think uh, their rear wiper is kind of a requirement. See, I keep... It I, rain, yeah, sorry, go on. It, you know, it rains 200 days a year here, so... Oh, uh, does it? Gotta, okay. Oh, well, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a definite, you got to do that. I mean, look, I'm a, you know, I'm, I don't, I, I use my rewiper, I actually do use it. You know, I actually use my rewiper on my 997 more than I use a sunroof. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a no brainer really what, what you should have. Yeah. I've got a, uh, I've actually got a buddy who's a Porsche certified instructor um, who, uh, you know, when I, when I showed him the spec and told him that I was going to put a rear wiper on it, he, he never, he never says it's okay that you put a rear wiper on it. He never says that it, it looks good with the rear wiper on it. What he says every time, and it, it's very carefully chosen words. It's always, well, everybody will know that you spec this car for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true, true. I mean, you know, I guess the line of it, the line of any 911 without a wiper probably looks a little bit better. But, you know, if you need it, you need it. And I think, you know, yeah. it's, it's silly just to leave it out for, you know, it doesn't make a huge difference. So I always wished I had one with the Panamera, which was why I put it on. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. So you've had the car for two weeks, three weeks? Yeah. Two, two weeks. weeks. So in those two weeks, tell me the, tell me the, uh, tell the listeners actually, how was that feeling when you picked it up? The day you picked it up, did your wife go with you? Did your kids go with you? How was the feeling when you drove out and you thought, I've got this car now? Yeah, that was a, that was an, an, actually an amazing feeling. So um, I drove to the dealership actually in the Panamera to, uh, to trade it. Um, I, I went by myself. My wife stayed home with the kids. And um, she kept texting me uh, all day long as I was at the dealership because, you know, no matter how well set up you have things, it, it always takes several hours until you actually get through the, the deal. Yes, yes. So we finally worked our way through the deal and, um, uh, you know, they handed me the keys and I, I started it up and I just sort of sat there for a minute and looked around and, you know, started to familiarize myself with the dials and the new look and, you know, granted the, the graphic user interface is very similar to what it was in the Panamera. So it wasn't like there was a big learning curve or, or anything like that, but, you know, just finding the buttons, finding the knobs and, you know, there were little tactile things that were, I, I think quite special in that first moment, you know, it was realizing that when you close the door, that the, the way the door closes just has this shoot, kind of feel to it and you know it's it's the way you expect a, a door to close in a, in yes. a car like that and you know noticing the way the pieces fit together and that there are no gaps and you know i, I put um <clears throat> i put race techs on the the ceiling and oh, okay. you know i wanted to just sort of feel what that felt like because you know i i, I liked the look of the the race techs on the ceiling and the the race techs on the the um, the mirrors, um, you know, noticing the, the leather wrap around the steering wheel and, you know, just kind of familiarizing myself with the, the way the inside of the car felt, which interestingly was something that I had never, ever done in any other car that I owned, including the Panamera. Right. You know, there, there was never a time that I just kind of sat in the car and looked around and thought, wow, this is really quite special. And this time I sat in the car made sure I touched everything and really thought, man, this is, this is really something quite different. Yeah. I think Porsche has really, they, in my mind, they've really excelled themselves with that interior. I mean, I love the interior, even the screen. I love the screen. I love the, you know, the center analog dial that they've done. I mean, you know, it all works so well. The race, race text, is it race text fabric? So they yeah. offer that for the roof. What do you mean? It's behind the back of your rear vision mirror. The rear vision mirror is covered. Did you say? Uh, no, not that part. The um, the ceiling and you know the the makeup mirrors or you know, oh okay you okay the, yes I understand the sun visors the sun visors okay but they still offer Alcantara don't they Porsche for the nine nine two no this is the new version of Alcantara uh, oh, Alcantara that's... is gone now and they've um, they've changed to this race text okay which, so um, from what I understand has a bit of a different feel it feels less suede I've, I've felt the race text 
and it feels quite suede and and um, and tackier. It's it's thicker almost. Okay. The the race text is um, it's like the fibers are a little bit shorter, right. so it, it feels um, it feels a bit softer. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it still has that same tacky feeling for race drivers, but um, I, I'm no race driver. I think that's that's a good option though. I mean, my my 997 has the Alcantara um, roof. Which I think. How do you, you know, like it? Do you, I like, do you it. like the yeah. Alcantara? Yeah, I do. I don't know whether I don't. I mean, mine's just a Carrera, but I, I, I'm, I've thought that it would be just be standard on that model. I'm not even sure, but it's the Alcantara sort of grey coloured roof is actually really good. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of Alcantara. I quite like it. I didn't realise they'd cut it out though. I thought they offered them together, but that's interesting that they've actually changed to a different material. I guess it's a more modern material, but um, I think so. I I don't know if there were. Um, I don't know if there were problems with Alcantara in the 991 or, or what the story was, but I, I had heard that they were transitioning. And I think they actually transitioned just for this model here. I think it was just for 21. Okay. So you, you, you're you sitting in the car. It feels – it's a different experience to the Panamera. Um, it feels all new. It feels very special. So then you drive home. You take it out of the dealer. You, you sign the final papers and you take it home. What does the family think when they see it for the first time? <laughs> well – the uh, the the saga of um, so you know I, I had initially done the build in, back in August so you know the the entire family has been waiting for you know, <laughs> five months for this car to show up and you know every once in a while my my wife would say are you excited for your car to come are you excited for your car to come and you know of course of course I'm excited but you know I, I don't necessarily want to get too overly fired up so um, what did happen though was back in January. The dealership texted me and said, uh, "We know which boat your car is on." Oh, fantastic! So, my uh, so I, I used it as a geography lesson with my kids, and we started tracking the boat um, all the way from Zebrus through uh, to the east coast of the U.S., down through the Panama Canal, over to San Diego. So you know, it was fun. The kids got to check on where the car was at each uh, at each moment. That's a great memory for kids to remember, though, isn't it? You know, like yeah. dad's car on the boat. If you you know you remember that, and it's coming coming to the U.S. I mean, that's a great that's a great memory to have. Yeah. So when it finally showed up, you know, the kids were super excited about it. I took them for a ride. You know, of course, my kids are young; they're nine and six, about to turn ten and seven in the next month or so. So um, you know they. They get in the back and there are footprints all over the back of the car. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, at some point you just sort of have to say, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, Elliot, that's great. It was special when you sat down in it in the dealership, but you also have to be able to use it as a car. And, but Elliot, um, that, that lets you, tr- you know, pr- you know, f- refine your, your detailing skills, you know, you can, you can <laughs> even get even better. You know, you would be so proud of me, Michael. I keep a toothbrush in my car to make sure that I can get stuff out of the little cranks. Oh, really? Fantastic. Oh, Fantastic. I like it. I like it. I like a clean <laughs> car. Um, you know, when I'm depressed, I watch, you know, MO New York's MO NYC and watch him, you know, uh, detail a car and it makes me happy to see it. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. All right. So you've got the car. You've, you've had the car for a couple of weeks. Have you taken it out for any uh, spirited drives? But you're still running it in, right? It has to be <clears> run in for how many miles? Oh, yeah, a couple thousand at least. Um, so uh, I did not, I have not done a spirited drive. I have, of course, I mean, you got to get it to the sweet spot at some point. You got to get it between four and, and 5,000 RPMs just to hear it sing. And man, that is such a, that's a, an incredible feeling. That, that sound is like nothing that I've ever heard in any car that I've owned before. Um, just the way the whole thing resonates is it really, it's a remarkable sound. It's, it's like a musical instrument. Fantastic. Um, but there's a great road from the dealership, which is in Bellingham, Washington, about two hours north of Seattle, um, down uh, to Washington. It goes all along the, the coast of the Pacific Ocean. Um, and it goes down through um, the Skagit Valley where there are tulip fields and strawberries and all kinds of stuff. Oh, beautiful. So I'm I'm going to preempt your your question about where you're waiting I for it, aren't you? I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because that so far, you know, I've only owned, because I've only owned the car for a couple of weeks. That's been the the special road um, so far. So far, it's called Chuckanut Drive, okay. and it's um, between Bellingham, Washington, and Seattle, Washington. And it's this beautiful, twisty, windy road all along the, the Pacific Ocean, and you get these peekaboo peekaboo views. 
um, out over the ocean. It's um, it's up and down and, and twisty turny, and then it opens up into these beautiful tulip fields and and strawberry fields, and it's just dead flat and straight. Um, and it's uh, it's a sounds fantastic. Great. Yeah, it drive. sounds great. So um, you're gonna have you're gonna have a great summer once the once the weather gets warmer and you your car's done the running period and then it's gonna be great fun. Well, what I'm hoping is that the the border with Canada opens up in the interim because there's um, there's a, a road on the way to Whistler in in British Columbia called Sea to Sky Highway. Okay, that is the singular most beautiful road I think I've ever seen. You know, you're either down right on the ocean or you as you're going up the mountain. You can see out over the Pacific Ocean, and you know there are all of these um, haystack rocks sticking out of the the water. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Did you take the Mach One on any of these roads? Oh my God, I I, I wouldn't be here to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> that car was um, so. One of the times that the Panamera um, uh, was in the shop, I actually decided to drive the Mach One back and forth to work for about a week or so. It's only seven miles, but you know, there are hills and, you know, God forbid in uh, a Mustang with far too much horsepower, God forbid there are turns. So I was driving it to work one day and there was just a light mist of rain. And uh, one of the red lights, you know, I was on a, a bit of an incline, you know, maybe a 10% grade or something like that. And I could barely get the car off of the line to get away from the red light because it had so much torque and so much power. It would just sit there and spin wow. wheels. And it's, it's mean, a it big was, car, isn't it? They're quite large cars, yeah. aren't they? Heavy, heavy yeah, cars, right? Very large. Right, right. So now you've got the 911 in your garage. You've got your SUV still. You've got your 911. Um, you know, you've got your modern 911. Is there a, is there a, a classic 911 coming up in the, in the next few years or you, you're happy with the modern uh, iterations? Oh man, you're not even going to let me get through the the honeymoon period, are you? <laughs> of course, I'm looking already, Michael. Come on. See, this I've is been this, looking at yeah. Sorry, uh, I've been looking at nine six four. So you know, I think that that sweet spot of you know eighty seven to eighty nine is really that that's kind of the 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 time frame that I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, you know, if I if I could find a good example from that period, I think it would be great. Um, I'm not really in any particular hurry. You know, I'm I'm absolutely in love with this this 992 at the moment. Um, it's it's got personality already. It's um, you know it, it's just an absolute pleasure to drive. But that is what I'm going to be on the lookout for. Yeah, it's a, you've got a fantastic car, Elliot. You really do. I mean, 992 Carrera S. You know, any any article you read in even the even the most you know. Even the most fussiest sort of reviewers of, 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 of cars, you know, they're just, everyone raves about the Carrera S in this, in, this, uh, in this range, in this 992 generation. And the fact that you bought a manual, I'm impressed. You got a manual. You didn't opt for the PDK. Well, you, you could have because you do actually drive to, you know, work in it. So you, mm -hmm. But you've taken the manual. The manual's supposed to be fantastic. I mean, I think you've done, a, you've done a great job specking it. It looks really, really good. Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Um, so we're getting near to the hour, actually. I just want to ask you a couple more things, but we are getting near to the hour. But I just want to just tell the listeners again, you should go and follow um, Elliot. He's got a new, <clears throat> newish Instagram where he's just posting uh, images of his cars. Uh, he's also got the Mach 1 on there. He's got the Panamera. He's got his friend's blue, um, blue, what is it? 993, right? 993? 993, yeah. Yeah. So it's at 992.c2s. So go over and follow um, Elliot. And if you've been on Porsche called Owner Stories before, and I'm sure you're going to get all the guys who have been on it before, say hello, which, which they normally always do. So that's fantastic. What else, Elliot? So, so that's it for now. That's, that's, all the, that's, that's the 911 on the horizon. So are, are you planning on doing anything to the car? And, you know, I wouldn't usually ask this question because it is a new car. Is there anything that you've, in the last two weeks, you think, mm, I need to just see if Porsche can add that for me or... I'm going to buy it as a part, you know, official part. Is, is there anything that you've come across that you, you think you need? Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't think so, um, at least not at the moment. I, I think I have to live with it for a little while to, to really kind of get a sense of, you know, if I feel like anything is, is missing or if there's anything that I would do differently. Um, because the roads in Seattle aren't great, I actually elected not to lower the car. Um, so, you know, I've, I've left it at its, at its uh, regular height. Um, 
and you know, I, I think that's more to do with where I live. That could be one modification that I would do in the future. Um, what about protection uh, for the front? Do you did you opt for the foil protection that Porsche offers for the front of the car, which is quite expensive, I think, as, a, as an option, right? Yeah, it's a it's a pretty pricey option. There's some um, there's some really high quality places that do some excellent wraps here, um, and I've got some some uh, a couple of the guys that I've mentioned before, um, Jonathan and, and Lewis, have both done wraps on their cars and have good recommendations for for folks here in the area that really do a, an exceptional job and we'll do full wraps and hide the seams and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I, I may opt to do that once summertime rolls around. I think if the roads are bad, all you really need is the front. You just need the front wrapped really. That's all for, to protect against stone chips or, you know, yeah. either ceramic coating. Some people, you know, always say the ceramic coating's enough, but I think, you know, some kind of PPF on the front is always required because you will get stone chips. I mean, it's unavoidable. Yeah. You know, I think with the with the GT Silver though, it's a little bit more forgiving. Yes. You know, it's, it's not like it's black or or blue or whatever. You know, it's it is a little bit more forgiving with the stone chips. And you know, again, it's just like having my kids get their feet on the back seat when when they first got in. You know, you can only be so precious about the car. Yeah, and that's the point. It you know, in in the current day, everyone's wrapping their car. Everyone's worried it's going to get a chip or a scratch. But let's go back, you know, 20 years or 15 years. That is the character of the car. You know, cars have character because they do have a few little scratches on them or they do have a few little chips. Um, so it's not really such a big deal. And, you know, um, it's it's just keeping that character of of the car that you actually have. That's fantastic, Elliot. Um, before you go, though, because we're up to an hour, and we always keep this at an hour. And I know you've got to get to work because you're in your office at the moment and we've, we've gone past the uh, time. Yeah, Other obsessions. To, You're into watches. Let's talk about your watch. What watch do you have? Oh, oh uh, well, today is my uh, the GMT two. Very uh, nice. Steel, That's a vintage one, is it? No, it's. Um, so when did I get this? I got this in uh, 2016 for my. This was my 40th birthday present from my wife. Has it got the uh, green writing? Is that the green writing one? It does, yeah. Oh, okay. So you've got the nice one. That's a very nice one. Very, very nice. I like I, that I one. I love this watch. This, um, is, this is my everyday watch. Yeah, someone else I spoke to had one of those. Was it Ryan? Oh, was that right? Yeah, I think it was Ryan, yeah. Um, that's a great watch. Well done. I love this watch. Yeah. Yeah. The um, the the first one, my, my in-laws, when my wife and I got married, um, bought me a, a Cartier Tonque that I was, you know, that was the first that, that was the the sort of entry watch. That was that was my yes. BMW of watches. Yes, yes. And then um, when uh, actually probably my my Volkswagen GTI of watches. Um, and then my my wife got me this uh, this GMT for my fortieth. And um, just this last year, you know, with uh, so um, for the listener, I'm I'm an ICU doctor, so I'm a, a critical care doctor. So I've been taking care of COVID patients for the last year, um, in you know full personal protective equipment and gowned up and all of that stuff. And you know, I think my, my wife has felt bad for me. So she's given me the, the opportunity to be a bit more spendy than what I normally would. So uh, I was allowed to get a uh, 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 JLC Reverso this year. And the, the 992 came along with uh, all of that stuff. So, so that's sort of, you know, like, I don't even know what to say to that. I, I just can't, I can't imagine how difficult it is. And I know you're a doctor and you're trained to be a doctor and, but I just don't, I, I couldn't even imagine how difficult it is dealing with this, this pandemic and being, you know, at the front of it, like you are. I mean, it's just, it must be, you must go home some evenings and it must be very, very hard, you know, because in the UK I see the numbers and, you know, I see how many people are dying, but you don't really hear the stories. You know what I mean? And as I said yeah. recently, you know, my, uh, my father-in-law, his sister just died in, in Ireland and she contracted it in, in a hospital in Ireland. Mm -hmm. um, after a fall so it's it's there and it's 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 frightening it's very frightening so you know i think um one thing that probably goes underrated is that um for healthcare workers in particular you know we we have the opportunity to help you know we we actually get to be there at the bedside and be the person who is holding somebody's hand when they're sick and you know we're there to to support them and talk to them you know we get to be the the humanizing part of this for, for a lot of our patients. And, you know, in, in the news, we talk a lot about, about the losses, you know, we talk a lot about the, the people that haven't made it through, but I think what we don't really spend a lot of time talking about is, 
the people that we've actually been able to get through really bad situations. Uh, okay. Good point. Yeah. So, you know, to the, the, the stuff that's newsworthy is the number of patients who have gotten sick and the number of patients who've died. The stuff that's newsworthy to me are the number of patients who have gotten really sick, walked out of the hospital and then called me or texted me or emailed me later on or found me in some other way to say, Hey, thanks. You know, I, I don't know if you remember me, but, um, you know, I'm really appreciative. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. I, I, um, makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? It just makes it, you know, it, it does. Yeah, it does. And, you know, I think it really mitigates those feelings of powerlessness and helplessness when, you know, you feel like you can leverage the, the education that you have and the experience that you have to try to help others. Yeah. That's, that's great. Thanks, Elliot. Um, all right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm, I'm glad you shared your story today. I think the listeners are going to enjoy it. Like I said, you're the first uh, 992 owner. Um, so anyone that wants to know about 992s, you go to <laughs> Elliot's Instagram and send him a DM and ask him. He'll have all the question, all the answers, won't you, Elliot? That's right. Shoot me a text, I'll, <laughs> and I'll talk, I will talk everybody into the rear wiper. <laughs> all right. Thank you very. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. And I know it's early in the morning, so I appreciate it. Michael, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure meeting you, and and say hello to Steve for me. You guys have a great rapport. It's been a real pleasure getting to know you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Elliot. Uh, thank you, everyone, uh, for listening to the Portugal podcast. Like I said, that was Elliot coming in from uh, Seattle with his brand new 992 Carrera 2S. Beautiful, beautiful car. GT Silver, one of my favorite colors. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening and bye for now. Bye.